All right, guys, welcome back to the final episode of our three-part series with Mr. Charles Babinski. Hello, and welcome to the Cat and Cloud podcast. I'm Chris Baca, and I'm here with my brother from another mother, Mr. Jared Truby. Hey! And with us today, we have the current United States barista champion and co-owner of the always delicious G&B Coffee and Go Get Em Tiger in Los Angeles, California, Mr. Charles Babinski. Hello, Charles. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. Thanks for coming. What kind of advice would you give for for youngins coming up in the coffee game in this day and age? Because it's quite a bit uh, different than it used to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, know the business you're getting into. I think a lot of people have a you know skewed idea of what it is yeah. to be a barista. And I mean, if you want to be a barista, you should be a barista. If you want to be a coffee buyer or a coffee roaster, I don't think you necessarily have to be a barista anymore. There's a lot of different ways to go around that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, certainly if you don't want to be serving people, then you shouldn't be. One of the trends that I've seen or one of the things I've seen in, you know, the past five years is just that it that is not the best path for people who want to be roasters mm-hmm. uh, to try to come up through the coffee shops. Whereas, you know, when I first started, that was how you got in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, a- another one is that for people who are stepping into the coffee world, they look at, um, I think, you, you know, you Google, start Googling around specialty coffee and you get to the, the Matt Pergers and the James Hoffmans of the world. Mm-hmm. And... You know, you look at look at those people and soak up everything they do. But realistically, you know, if you want to be great at a coffee shop, you know, we don't need another Matt Perger or James Hoffman, uh, though they're amazing. Like, look at the people who are managing coffee shops that are successful. Mm-hmm. Look at the people who are there doing the dirty work every single day. And whereas, like, that information, that techie information about TDS and extraction percentages and... Um, particle size distribution is good and it'll help get you to places Mm -hmm. realistically in a coffee shop that's what you do with the one percent of your time after you've done the 99 percent of the the work work no doubt and if you don't love the 99 percent of the work work and if you can't like you know have time for the kindness and empathy that it takes to serve people all day you know, then you're not going to love the job. So find people who do that. Find people where you can see the the powers that they have in that regard. And there are a lot of those people, and they don't get a whole lot of love. And emulate them. Mm-hmm. No, that's good advice. That's real good advice. It kind of follows up with, and you might have already spoke on it, so you can literally say, I, I kind of, that's that's what I'm getting at. But what's the thing in coffee that, gets pitched around to everybody in the world that's not a truth but it's the thing that everybody's buying into is that happening right now or are we kind of getting past it because of the internet and because of the right people saying the right things i don't know like you're saying like like what are the myths that are that are bouncing around i'm kind or? of saying like is there anything hot right now that people keep talking about that's not important that's taking the focus off what is i mean i i feel like almost like by nature the majority of the stuff that we talk about is is here today, gone tomorrow. Yeah, you know, it's, it's constantly changing. In uh, like like if you were to track the last five years, we went from super super light roasts being the greatest thing to you know proper development mm-hmm. and people talking about that to I don't know where we're headed right now, but but yeah. definitely it feels like 
every year to every two years, there's some new idea about what coffee is supposed to taste like. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. And, and there's a lot of concepts about what a coffee shop is supposed to look like. Oh, geez. That's like a whole other, yeah, and that's, animal. That's a whole other thing. I mean, you know, all most of those things are based in some sensible, you know, good sense. Right. Uh, but they're usually only about 75% true, and mm-hmm. they're only true under certain circumstances. I uh, I think that if you're definitely on a retail level, if you're, if you're in a coffee shop, right. you should avoid or i think it's sensible to avoid picking up the philosophies of other sectors of the industry feeling you wholeheartedly yeah know your audience right exactly and like i think i know i know this something that i did and i still do and i don't always notice it when i'm doing it is that i'm bringing that like you know beliefs about what coffee should be that are maybe rooted in a coffee buyer or a roaster's experience and I'm bringing them to a coffee shop mm-hmm. and it's falling on deaf ears yep. or it's completely missing the mark. So super wise. Yeah. So like, uh, you know, for, for people in a coffee shop, like as of right now, most of the noise that's happening is not happening from people who are, um, like serving, you know, our, our regular day-to-day customer or right. uh, re- regular day-to-day baristas. So I don't, I think if anything, like if you're a barista, most of the noise is not meant for you. Yep. But there is a lot of noise in the coffee shop that's worth listening to. And there's a lot of like uh, things that you can glean from, you know, talking to people who are, are tuned into that, that actually, uh, you know, might matter. And that, that's, it's, it's not to say that, that any, you know, all that stuff, the, the progressive ideas and, you know, the new technology doesn't matter. It totally does. Oh, yeah. But uh, it's easy to get sidetracked. So will you model your next cafes um, in a way, shape, or form to the neighborhood that you're in? Uh, or Which actually, I kind of know that I'm saying that. I'm like, <laughs> you guys actually have a model that works, and I don't think that's going to be a thing. So what do you value in a coffee shop? Like, as a consumer, you're a professional, but you probably also buy coffee places sometimes. What's important to you? I mean, good coffee. Like, just having a place that has... Good coffee, however it's prepared, is a, is a nice thing, and and it's so rare that I get to go out and like actually enjoy a full cup of coffee when I go someplace. Mm-hmm. That to get one that is very tasty is always always a nice thing. Um, definitely being able to go to a coffee shop and get something without any any fuss, like especially when the barista knows you and you order an espresso and you're like getting the whole like I'll remake it three times um that's i think that happened a little bit more a couple of years ago than it does now but every yeah. once in a while it still happens um but yeah good coffee as far as the experience goes i mean honestly the coffee doesn't even if, if you're talking about espresso the coffee doesn't even have to be that good like a, a reasonable cappuccino is a reasonable cappuccino and if the coffee shop is great like if there is a definitive vibe and it's a it's a good scene, then I'll take an okay cappuccino in a fun place than a like perfect cappuccino in a place that's just kind of sterile. Right. So, so what was uh, take us back to the first time Charles Wapinski had 
a coffee that blew his mind and that made him go, this is a thing. Oh, yeah. I'm going right. there. <laughs> um, so first coffee I had that was absolutely amazing was uh, I lived in New York when I was 20, 19, 20. Uh, I moved to New York and I got my first coffee job just kind of as a um, I need a job sort of thing. And I've been a cook for a while before that. So I thought like I could, I was basically I was thinking I, I can come in, I'll know how to do this. It'll be super easy. I got a co- uh, job at a coffee shop on the Upper East Side. And, you know, it was just so hard, like incredibly hard. Like I've been a cook uh, and you, when you're a cook, you never have to be nice to anybody and you never have to really even talk to anybody if you, if you don't have to, uh, or, you know, the, it's rare that you know you find yourself in an actual customer service situation when you're uh, back a house, and being a barista was you know surprisingly hard. And I could I could do the physical things of making coffee, and I, I figured that stuff out pretty quickly. But uh, you know, little by little, like I picked up the customer service stuff, and it was terrible, like horrendously terrible to start. <laughs> like I I think like the, my first day, I I couldn't even speak at an audible level. I'd be like, hey, what do you want? Classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, little by little, I, I got more into it. I got better at it, and I started looking for good coffee in New York, or like what was the best coffee in New York. And this is like 2004, 2005, and the best coffee in New York in 2005 was Ninth um, Street Espresso, mm-hmm. and this is the original Ninth Street at Ninth and C before they remodeled it. So it was a little bit, it was a little bit of a shithole in like the most charming way. Yeah. And on the weekends, I would, you know, kind of wake up a little bit hungover, and I would go get Polish food in the East Village, and then I would walk over to Ninth and C, and I'd get an espresso. And it was Dallas Brothers at the time, like the first time they had Dallas Brothers, and then they, you know, cycled through all of the, uh-huh. uh, all the big roasters over the next ten years. Um, but I remember getting what was probably like uh, twenty grams in, twenty grams out, shot. Uh, of Dallas Brothers and being like, yeah, Hell yeah, all right, I'm into this. 2020 vision. <laughs> it was going around then. Yeah. I think w- we were 2020-ing on the West Coast at that time, too. Oh, yeah, probably. 2020 was a thing. Yeah, it was hot for a while. Not just a show on TV. When we're saying 2020, that means 20 grams into the portafilter and 20 grams of fluid out of the portafilter in the cup, which is uh, comparatively... <laughs> To nowadays, it's very, very. It's a lot of coffee concentrated in a little tiny bit of. Fluid. It's a very small. Espresso. It's a very small espresso. Yeah, Point, yeah. we it's were a poignant coffee. We were such jerks. <laughs> <laughs> we only pull ristrettos. Yeah, sorry. It's tight like a tiger. Tigratura. Tigratura. <laughs> nice tiger back. Good golly, what else we got for you, Charles? You, I mean, you you're missing the. So you came a long way. You came up from L.A. with your great great gal, Natalie. Mm-hmm. You're missing the playoffs as we speak. Yeah, what's the score? I don't know. We should check that really quick. Is that possible? Patrick Melroy, who has... Uh, hey, guys. Yeah, he's he's um, he's kind of our outsider looking in, though. D- is anything kind of coming to your mind, Patrick, that you would ask somebody 
as a an avid coffee drinker, but not an avid coffee professional, quote unquote. Well, what I, what I keep hearing from Charles is that you know he's got these kind of increased responsibilities at all these different shops, and as an owner, that's that I wonder is that pulling you away from the time on the machine, even when you were the educator for Intelligentsia, like how much time do you spend in a week, uh, you know, actually on the machine pulling? Uh, shots for for just you know the Joe Schmo like what's the chance of me bumping into your shop and ending up with like the you know United States barista champion just pulling me my morning coffee like what's the real <laughs> uh well in in the early days it was uh, a pretty good chance that if you walked into one of the shops I'd be working behind the bar you know there was there was a period where Kyle and I were uh we were each opening up one shop and then we were swapping in the middle of the day and closing the other so there were long days there. Right now, uh, things are a little less hectic, but I still get one bar shift a week at least, uh, which is really important just for being able to to keep up. Mm-hmm. And like honestly, our st- our staff is so on top of it that it's like it's work to keep it up. Like making sure that that you can do it with the with the people who are doing it, you know, five days a week. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, the the chances are pretty reasonable on the weekends, and if you um yeah if you go to to gmb or go get them tiger uh in the middle of the day on the week there's usually a good chance i'll be around as well nice sort of flittering in and out yeah you feel it's um it's important to be able to get on the floor and lead by example and yeah yeah i mean do you find yourself um coaching a lot or is it to the point now where it's it's kind of running itself and and you're just able to to just be a presence uh i mean i think it it, it the focus comes in waves like there's different things that uh, are the immediate need at the time, and we're we're actually kind of getting to the point where we're no longer just putting out the the big fires that we've been avoiding, right. but we're actually able to say, all right, let's what what are we going to grow? What do we what do we want to develop? Um, we are, you know, we have a really really amazing uh, managerial staff right now. Uh, Melissa Muckerman is yeah. the manager of GMB. And Jamie Lau is the manager of Go Get Him Tiger. She's money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jamie's so tight. Yeah, she's the best. Uh, and like, so it's like two really, really amazing, uh, not just baristas, mm-hmm. uh, but like trainers, managers, like people who can make the people around them better. Yeah. And so there's been, a, you know, definitely uh, a little bit of a weight taken off. And, you know, there's people and systems in place that that things get better on their own but that said like it's still like all of the the love and the energy that i get to put in i right. still get so much out and we're not at the point yet where kyle and i are, are sitting in the back in the boardroom you know <laughs> like apple teenies yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> making deals the National Basketball Association reports with four minutes and 19 seconds left in the third quarter that the Golden State Warriors lead the Cleveland Cavaliers by eight points, 63 yeah, to 55. Okay. Woo. This could Warriors. be it. All right. Still, I, still plenty of time. Yeah. I want to talk about espresso more. Okay. So you at GNB and Go Get Em are known for you, and correct me if I'm wrong because I might not have this whole thing dialed in, but... You pre-weigh all of your doses into the portafilter. You use volumetric machines. Um, where do those recipes come from? And if you're a barista that works for you, it, where is there wiggle room in that recipe? Or are those set by someone and they're just there? All right. So, yeah, you, uh, you've got the, the general gist right. And, and the idea is that we control the recipe right right 
we know exactly how much coffee goes in. We know roughly how much coffee is going out. Mm -hmm. And we, uh, you know, set the grind so that it comes out in enough time to properly extract the coffee. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and with each one of these variables, there is uh, a standard or sort of there is a small wiggle room based off of just a sensible understanding of why you need that to be the way it is, right? right? So it is, you know, if you say dose, for example, right? Like you can think of dose as a number, but dose is a amount of coffee interacting with a certain amount of space. So mm -hmm. if you have a 17 gram basket and, you know, sort of medium, what would be a lighter espresso roast, your dose is pretty much set for you. You know, you, you've got you've got the range of doses that are going to work, and you're not going to weigh with, you're not going to get away with uh, pulling a 12 gram shot, right? Right. Or, you know, 12 gram dose. And you're you're not going to be able to fit you know 21 grams in there without mm -hmm. messing up the extraction. So, you know, you're going to be doing 19 grams. And if somebody comes in and is like, well, I you know I want to put in 21 grams because I want to get more you know more coffee in there and more coffee flavor and make it stronger. It's like, well, it doesn't really work that way, right? So there is there is a range for dose, but it's not like humongous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if anybody were to step outside of that range, they would have to back it up with something that was pretty tasty. Right. So we're talking tenths of a gram. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. I mean, we're, we, we have a, a tenth of a gram threshold is, is what we're looking for as far as consistency goes. Right. And uh, generally within a gram window. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you want to, uh, if you wanted to pull like a 17 and a half gram shot, there would have to be some compelling reason, as opposed to like 18 or right, 18 yeah, and yeah. a half, there'd have to be some compelling reason to, to go in that direction. And, you know, I at our shops, I've, I've worked in shops where every single time somebody gets behind the bar, every, time, every single time somebody gets behind the bar, they get to change the whole recipe mm -hmm. the dial in yeah. to represent <laughs> That's what I was thinking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. to represent their like interpretation specific expression yeah. of what a coffee should be right uh the dial in which is which is like i mean it's it's really terrible and like what happens is you see somebody like the coffee tastes good and we we i remember there was one person uh at a coffee shop that would whenever he would come on he would immediately up the temperature, up the dose, and coarsen the grind. He's all, "That's what I do," and that's that's the way it rolls. That's who I am. We. <laughs> that's funny. I've experienced that. Yeah, quite a bit. But but and and that's and that's what happens when every single person is supposed to you know is in charge of their own dial in and has to find their own specific expression of who they are as a coffee professional through their espresso. But at the shops, everybody's responsible for the recipe. Right. Like everybody who's on the bar is responsible for the recipe. And if I'm on bar and I step away, I turn to the person next to me and I go, Oh yeah, we're, you know, eighteen and a half grams in. Right. And it's, you know, you know, forty three grams out and yeah. I'm shooting for twenty eight seconds. And that's written on the hopper and they know yeah. what's up. Yeah. And step in. They come in, they pull a shot, and it's there. Mm -hmm. In the old school era of like the artisan barista, how fucking mind blowing it was it when you just figured that out? Like I remember the first time that I we were talking about it. I'm like, if Jared's making coffee and it tastes good, and then you take over the machine from him, you don't there is no dial in. You don't have to dial in. Yeah. You make it the exact same way that he's doing it. 
because he already made it taste awesome. It's it's, it's dialed in. It's I mean, dialed there, in. There is a reason. So there is a reason you use the dose that you use. Right. And it's not about you know your specific expression. It's just how much coffee that that's going to fit in that portafilter. And there is a reason that you pull shots to the length that you do. Right. Because you want to get the concentration that. I mean, realistically, the, the, the shop has kind of dialed themselves into. This is how they experience coffee. And you need to have all of that happen in a time to properly extract the coffee so that it doesn't taste unbalanced. Right. Well, and even beyond that, so it's it's important for your customer base as well because if that other person steps out and it, for one reason or the other, either that person makes the coffee that everybody loves and everybody else doesn't or the other way around. Yeah you're screwing up your whole customer base's perception of your company. Yeah, totally. Or even even worse, like uh, a new person comes on and a customer is told, hold on, I've got to dial I got to dial in. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm going to dial It's going to take 10 to 15. Oh, an espresso? <laughs> uh, yeah, you can have one, but it'll be like 15 minutes. And it's, I'm going to be dialed in pretty soon. It's so nice when there's just like a common language. It, it, we were texting this morning. I was... <laughs> You and I, uh, yeah, uh, Jared and I were texting. I was at oh yeah, I was at State Street, and he was at Anna Kappa. I don't even know why I bothered texting you. I'm like, what are your specs? Because we always, you know, the, we cool. Do the same they're thing. the same as mine. Sweet, <laughs> usually are. <laughs> that sounds good to me. But none of that's actually what I was going to ask Charles. Do you find you know you spoke of a medium to light roasted espresso, and do you find that there is generally a window that all of these coffees? very very closely fall into when it comes to an extraction uh you know dose in dose out is it, do you find that like you've kind of got a sweet spot at this point you know coffee well enough that they're all going to be right around here or does it change fairly dramatically well yeah i would say uh there are i mean there there are certainly circumstances where you will need to change the recipe substantially for a coffee whether or not it's espresso or filter coffee and more often than not it's caused by a major change in the coffee itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly if the roast is more inconsistent, mm-hmm. that will have a big impact on it. And if the roasting philosophy is really inconsistent, mm-hmm. that'll have a big impact on it. Um, the We do a lot of work just vetting our coffees to make sure that they fit within our concept of you know, this being a coffee that we want to share. Yeah. And they all kind of end up being very similar in, you know, how they need to be extracted and how they need to be brewed. I mean, I, 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 I'm not too dogmatic about it. Right. Because I can go to a place and I can get a shot and it's, you know, may, even if I don't love it, it's like if the, if the space is great and the person was thoughtful about it, it's like, cool, thank you. Right. Uh, but for us, yeah, we definitely end up uh, around the same, same recipe for everything. Are you a believer in, you know, I, I have, and I spoke on this theory and it's not, it's hard, it's hard to back up only because nobody's done like a ton of studying, but you know, each coffee cherry picked is its own, right? So like each peach is its own. It's slightly different, even though all these coffees are the same, right? Like how can, do you, do you allow grace on coffee based on it being an organic product? You know, it's like every single coffee bean that goes in there, like there's no way every coffee's going to taste the same, no Are matter you, what. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you, know, you, you, like, you don't want it to taste the same. Right. But they might extract similarly. Oh, I'm sorry. Even yeah. like the same. Are you talking about variations in extraction? I'm talking extraction about variations in extracting, extraction for like, yeah, this is all a, whatever, a washed yerg from Conga. Yeah. And 
I mean, do you think on that? And I understand it's like it's it's more of a conversation topic than anything. But do you do you think on that level where you're like, well, we're doing our very best. I do understand that, you know, this shot here that I just pulled, that's the exact same as that shot there is going to taste slightly different because I'm working with an organic product and there's no possible way every single coffee cherry is going to be the exact same coffee cherry with that taste oh you're saying within you're saying within a specific coffee yeah i mean that was oh, yeah. that was like my whole pitch on that when when i did well in the barista competitions in 2012 that was that was my whole theory behind it is it, it was like for me it was more of just like a mental struggle like i had i didn't have enough evidence to back it up but i could just i could go in there and i could pull these coffees right and yeah. and the judges would ask me or theoretically if you wanted to score well right you'd say it tastes like this this and this and like maybe 80% of the time it would taste like this, this, and this. But then that other 20%, there'd be like these couple other things coming in that were there and really exciting and interesting. Yep. But you can't explain it in any other way, you oh, know? Yeah. But but this is this is the cool thing about the real world. Right. Uh, we don't have to give flavor descriptors. That's also true. I guess it, this is coffee nerd talk. It's great. Yeah. Like, but, but there's definitely variance. But when you're talking about the variance of the quality of the product, uh, barring you know, present right. sub defect. Right. Uh, I, I think it's pretty consistent. Yeah. And, you know, even, even with a, with a coffee that has a little bit of volatility, if you're getting a good extraction, right. It should be pretty solid. Right. And pretty consistent. Yeah. Cool. Nice. I just want to ask more nerdy questions yeah. Then we can edit them out or not. Uh, um, you mentioned 17 gram baskets. Do you guys pull in 17 gram baskets yeah, 17 or gram. as opposed to the bigger, is that a bed depth thing, or is that just, it, it, or do you not think about it? It's it's what we settled on. Okay. I, I think it had a, has a lot to do with the fact that we like those slightly what would be longer, though that doesn't have as much meaning as it as it did uh, maybe a, a while ago. Uh, but we like those you know slightly lower concentration shots, mm -hmm. and it's easier to get a shot that is like that and will work with a, a two-shot latte mm -hmm. and a two-shot cappuccino mm -hmm. when you're doing a 17-gram basket. Right. And if we were doing like a 20-gram you know, basket or 21-gram basket or whatever, and uh, you know shots that were like 23 grams in, you're looking at you know 60 grams out or, right. or more, and it would be, you know, it could be unbalanced or so intense. Yeah, it'd be gnarly in a big What way. would you say your average yield is on an, an espresso? That you're gonna put in a in a milk drink or it's it's thirty eight to forty eight. Thirty eight to forty eight is the general range. And I think depending on the, the season, the shops will kind of veer towards one side or the other. Mm -hmm. Uh but it's always it's always generally within that range. And then to ask the, the maybe the trickier question, that thirty eight to forty eight is quite a bit different than the sixty out you were yeah. talking about in competition and is that just or 50 50 50 yep. okay oh it's 50 yeah. yep oh yeah you're close never mind <laughs> that's my bad <laughs> you're all i was gonna I was get you i'm gonna get you <laughs> no this is so interesting and then but that, we uh, we uh by the way it's sort of going with that there was a period where we used the the ek for our espresso at gmb right and um i was like okay this is great we're going to you know pull every shot on the ek mm -hmm. and you know the shots were like 20 grams in 60 grams out yeah right? 65 grams out and they were delicious mm -hmm. and the people who got espressos were into it right it was a little bit it's a little bit more than people are expecting right but that's just that's a small hump mm -hmm. uh to get over but the people who got lattes hated us 
And the people who got iced lattes were like, this is disgusting. Right. Because they were getting an iced cappuccino. Right. But like a really big one. Yeah. And they weren't used to it. Yeah, yeah. Concentration and of flavor is probably. Yeah. And it, it, the, the balance was, mm-hmm. was completely, uh, you know, not what people expected. It tasted too much like coffee yeah it tasted too much like coffee it, it, it just didn't it just didn't jive with their expectations okay and i mean i think it's uh it's it's worth noting like we sell a lot of coffee we go through so much milk right yep. like uh, the uh lattes are um i mean they are the economic backbone of a coffee shop i For think sure. i said that at a competition at some point but they are they're the economic backbone of what we do and and you the latte should taste delicious because if the latte doesn't taste delicious then why you're not gonna have people you don't have a business you don't have a business and i feel like it's maybe less and maybe i don't know if you feel this way too it's maybe less about the volume of coffee from the ek shot in the ice latte but also some of the flavors that uh, extraction like that accentuates because you could have a similar coffee volume with like say you did like a quad shot latte pulled more traditionally might taste more <laughs> yeah, balanced yeah, yeah, than definitely. like a huge right it's it's definitely EK slammer and there's i mean and there's always ways around it right like you could do single shots right but then you're getting to this point where you're rearranging everything that you do and it's getting complicated uh, yeah maybe maybe it's worth it maybe it's not yeah. Um, yeah you know there's definitely i think there's there's with any good quality grinder you should be able to um you know make a good product but at a certain point you got to build from the ground up mm-hmm. and re-envision everything awesome <laughs> <laughs> talking to coffee nerds you gonna do it or charles to? get ready for the lightning round we're gonna do every other one so okay. you can start or i can start i'll start all right question number one full house or growing pains Oof, neither they're both terrible Ooh, sorry matt perger or ben kaminsky oh man <laughs> uh I, I i i love them both but i gotta i gotta go ben uh just just because he's uh west coast west side west homie Favorite winning USBC performance you've seen? Oh, um, I gotta I gotta say uh, Mike Phillips 2010. Nice was uh, was it? It just felt like he was he was bringing it. It was good. He only crushed me by like 40 points. It was totally chill. <laughs> Is that a lot? It's a lot. It's a lot. It maybe for was, the finals round. It was maybe 70. Um, fiercest barista competitor. Looking right at him. Oh, yeah. that's my boy. That's me for the record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it a boy or girl? I don't know yet. Oh, you wouldn't go there. Chicken, beef, or fish? Who <laughs> 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 wrote that? <laughs> beef. Nice. Left or right? right? Left or right? <laughs> right. He said right. He said right. He said right. Uh, favorite city to visit? U.S. or world? World. Ooh. Uh, oh, my God. Oh. Hey, yeah, the, the, the city that I've got the most uh, lovely experiences with that I'd love to go to again is Oslo. Mm. Oh, I want to go there, too. Yeah, I want to go so bad. Norwegian. Is love all you need? Not technically. That is correct. Best up and coming roaster. Ha! Huh. Uh, this is a good one. I, there's there's a couple that I really like. Uh, Roseline in Portland. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marty's doing really great stuff, and Mountain Air in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Oh. Like both are small roasters, at least as I'm aware, uh, doing really good stuff. And you 
I've seen like a progression with both of them that they've they keep getting better, which is what really matters. Nice. And we didn't actually mention this, but did you share whose coffees you used? Who who roasted the coffees oh. for USBC and Worlds? Were they the same? Different? They they were uh, pretty similar, actually. I um so I had the two different coffees. One, uh, which was a Honduras from Santa Barbara from a farm called Ocotillo, mm-hmm. which is like Santa Barbara Hondurases are some of the like most special interesting like exciting coffees out there Mm -hmm. uh especially right now when like central america is not having the greatest years that it's it's you know ever had right but the santa barbara hondurases are just like on another level and um that coffee so uh, i got the santa barbara the ocotillo for the regionals and it was the early harvest Mm -hmm. from 49th parallel gotcha and at the nationals i used the late harvest and um maybe like a couple weeks after a week after the nationals i sent an email to vince at 49th um which is 49th one of my favorite roasters on earth and they're a really lovely company vancouver canada in vancouver canada uh they're a really lovely company and and especially like through our early years of gmb go get them through mm-hmm. the competitions like they've been incredibly supportive awesome and uh, have been just like a joy to work with uh but i sent an email to vince uh and i was like hey is there any chance i know that they're harvesting uh in honduras right now is there any chance like you can uh maybe like work out uh getting the fresh crop and I got an email back from uh, Laura, their uh, coffee buyer, that was like, I was expecting this to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, and Benjamin and Nadi in um, Santa Barbara were mm-hmm. like, absolutely, hell yeah. And they made it happen. And so there was a, a fresh crop uh, Ocotillo at the Worlds and uh, roasted by 49th. And it was... Like one of those shots, like I had one of the shots in practice. That was like one of the shots that I just dream about afterwards. Man, it was it was so special. I got to tell you, Ben Hameen was like so emotional and awesome and stoked on you that weekend. He was like, after you had competed and we were in, uh, we were on the trade show floor, and he's just such a great guy, right? We have like yeah. this history. He's been around the Bay Area a lot, and so we've hung out with him. Ben Hameen's a, a, a farmer in Honduras, for those who don't know, and. um he was just, I was just talking to him, he's just like, I'm so proud, and it's like, he's, it's so, so much is happening from, from my farms right now, and he literally was like tearing up, and he, he couldn't even control it, and he just like gave me a hug, and he's just like, <laughs> I hope, I just hope he's, he just made me so proud, <laughs> and I was like, oh, Ben, I mean, because he's so real, that guy's, yeah. he's amazing, for those who don't know him, he's just a really great guy, and he's genuine. But it was, I mean, it was an honor to, uh, it was an honor to get to serve that coffee, yeah. and especially, like, to serve these three harvests of it. And have each one be just so good, man. Yeah, it was great. Um, so that was the, the the first coffee for the second coffee. So that was the first coffee. Uh, for the second coffee, I just needed to have a tasty Ethiopia, right? And you know, the whole point was that I was not talking about it beyond yep. what uh, you know, beyond saying it was an Ethiopia or it was a Yerga Shefet. Mm-hmm. So what I did for for the regionals, what I did was I, uh, the practice round that day, I had two coffees that I sort of figured out that I uh, were the best Ethiopias, took them from the shelves, mm-hmm. and um, 
I served one, I did a run through during my practice time and I served one espresso to two judges and I served the other to the other judges. We tasted them, we TDS them after. Mm -hmm. And uh, the one that tasted better was the one that I served. Nice. Uh, for the nationals, or that in, in the regionals, that was the Madcap Reco. Uh, ah. In the nationals, I ended up using the, um, kind of taking the same thing. Though I knew what it was before, you know, the day that I went in. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was like, just pick the best Ethiopia off the shelves. Uh, so I went with Hearts Reco. And I ended up using Hearts Reco for uh, the Worlds as well. Awesome. But uh, but it was cool to A, just grab coffee from my shelves, like mm -hmm. the shelves at the shop for the World Barista Championship. Uh, yeah. And B, just be able to go in with the coffee, not the coffee that like you chose uh, because it's like your whole routine is based around it, mm -hmm. but because you just think it's the best. And like this is a real thing that you can just go in and get. Like a normal human yeah. could go to G&B and yeah, get yeah. that coffee. It's just sitting there. You could buy it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that, elusive. That's pretty badass. It's great. That is pretty sick. Nice. Final question of the lightning round. Sadamo Sadama. <laughs> <laughs> that, that whole thing about baristas staying out of coffee buyers, uh, you know, philosophical arguments. Uh, or you know arguments in general i'm i'm, I'm out oh it's so funny i'm like i don't even care but it's funny because yeah anyway that's amazing all right well charles thank you so much for hanging out this has been amazing you guys have been listening to the cat and cloud podcast you can find more of these at catandcloud.com do you want to give any oh, shout outs shout while out. you're here to anybody in the world who's influenced you helped <laughs> you that you like are here and you got an opportunity holler oh uh well the shout outs to natalie my wife uh, shout outs to Kyle, Jamie, Melissa, and all the crew back at the shops. And shout outs to, I don't know. That's, that's, that's I, good. I, I, I could, I could keep shouting out, but, uh, so yeah, when you, once you're, uh, you're a loved man, so you take us home, Jer. Nice. Well, thanks for tuning in guys. That was Charles Wabinski, current U S barista champion and great friend. You can find more of our episodes at catandcloud.com. That's C-A-T-A-N-D-C-L-O-U-D.com. And, uh, you know, go out, tell your friends about us. Let's listen. Let's play. Let's talk. If you have questions uh, on that website, shoot them to us. We'd love to actually, uh, you know, put some of those questions to, to people's ears, voices, and or thoughts on our podcast. We'll have a bunch more of these things. Come back and see us. This podcast is brought to you by Pullstring Press in Santa Barbara, California. Broadcast from beneath the Balboa building. Meow. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. If you haven't caught them, go back and check out our previous episodes with Ian Levine and get ready. Next week's going to be hot fire. We've got Brent Fortune coming in with his own three-part series. Come on back now. You hear? Nice.